Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, hello and welcome to Food for Thought, <laughs> a podcast gap that's for a multiracial mix of queer writers gathered around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, <laughs> culture, <laughs> what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, get in losers, we're getting fisted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Ooh, we went right there this episode, we went right there. <laughs> I, I refuse. I've never, I've never seen the appeal of it personally, but like Joe, you're a, you're you're a pro, right? I feel like it's one of those things that in theory should not be fun, but then you realize when someone's about four and a half fingers in and you're like, well, let's just go for it. You're like, uh, uh, oh. I it is sometimes like an accidental fisting. <laughs> I, I almost, you're all so big. I almost, <laughs> I almost spit out my throat coat tea. An wow. accidental fisting. That is my new band name. Accidental <laughs> I, fisting. I am the lead that singer. Be your new Twitter name. Accidental when your book comes fisting. Out. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Wow. Mm. No. Whoa. Never. Never. Ever. Ever. Really? Tia, I feel like I feel like you would be into it. You know, it's when I do think about it, it actually the idea feels kind of hot. But I just think I, I think I would black out from. I, I'm I just really think it's worried about permanent butthole damage, which I also think that, a lot of people in the fisting community are kind of resolved to. It's like it kind of comes with the territory that your your butthole could potentially be permanently loosened. I, I think, don't want that. Look, I think yeah. the the butthole is a very resilient and plastic orifice. Uh, it, it bounces back from a lot. I mean, there are definitely, you know, there's Rosebud Twitter, and I don't mean Bernie Sanders Rosebud Twitter. I mean gay Rosebud Twitter. That, I don't like it. That I is don't like, like it at all. It is a lot. It is not like, <laughs> I don't find it hot. I'm glad other people do. But yeah, I mean, those they're folks for whom like body modification of their whole through fisting is like a part of their sex life. Yeah. Um, and then there's those of us who just enjoy it from time to time. From time to time. From time, time to, to time. As time goes by. Anyways, glad we started <laughs> <Wow>. off here. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tommy Teebs Pico, indigenous American poet, screenwriter, TV writer, and I am really, really enjoying my time off. I have never yes. had this good of a relationship to rest and relaxation. I'm just like, but you know what the other thing is? Like, time off hits different when you have a little... <laughs> when you're not I mean, when you're not poverty right everything actually is oh, <laughs> wow mm. uh, i am joseph osmondson scientist nonfiction writer and just like covid my clinical depression is back oh yay Poor thing. Mm. Mm. Or no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Fran. Um, I'm a writer. I'm an editor. And I dedicate this third thing to my childhood crush, Lindsay Lohan, um, in honor of today's early odds episode. Wow. Wait wait, wait, a minute. That I used to run around my high school and tell people that I was madly in love with Lindsay Lohan. 
That mean, reminds me I of believe I that you did it. I don't believe that you believed it, and if of, that makes sense. And of course, I bought all of Lindsay Lohan's albums and all of the soundtracks of the movies she was in because when you have a crush on someone, that's what you do, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. It reminds mm. me of like listening mm. to um, Los Culturistas and, and Matt Rogers talk about how he used to tell people he had a crush on Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you seen... Um, there's this amazing com- comedian, Joe Castlebaker, that does this like impression of like a kid who's pretending to have a crush and he's like yeah I just love her hair I love her long brown hair so brown so long love her really pretty hair (laughs) oh my god wow well on that note I am Den Michelle Norris and I'm a reader and writer former figure skater and my early aughts crushes were Beyonce from Destiny's Child and Christina Aguilera fair fair, that's exactly how I said it too like the stripped era Christina? The stripped era Christina, yeah. That was a good vintage of Christina. It it oh, was. It was a very was. solid that, Christina. Yeah. yeah. I Some looked like she days. was just so shameless. I was like, okay, I'm here for this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fighter, that was my that was my um junior year anthem. That was the song. Mm. That was everything mm. to me. Well, who's got the menu I got the, today? I got the menu today. It's an episode <laughs> all about a time that I cannot believe is like 20 fucking years ago. We're talking Stop about a decade. That. We're talking about the aughts, the music, the culture, who we were personally, who we were collectively. We start out with the swipe left, swipe left on all of the pop culture of that era. And we end with one delicious bite. Ew. Mm, I'm feeling a little peckish. I think we should start the top of the show the way any good top should with a little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Bouche. And uh, I believe Fran is amusing our Bouche with his little cornichon. Frangela! Uh, that's right. We have a delicious little early aughts um, themed swipe right, swipe left. And to start us off, um, dear thoughts, mm. swipe right or swipe left on... The Corrections <laughs> by I, Jonathan Franzen. I, I love The Corrections, actually. And it is like... I, what is it even a, about? It is it, it's sort of like a... It's a bridge, I would say, between experimental fiction of the 80s where there's a premise. I know. There's a premise that um, there's a pill that older folks in the book can take to get rid of their fear of death. Um, There is. So it's like the parent it's the family. The parents in the family go on a cruise that like the dad is getting really bad dementia. Actually, the scenes written uh, from the point of view of the dad's dementia are, are disorienting and weird and lovely and um there's a lesbian chef character who's sort of like throwing her life away and then there's like a straight male protagonist who's also like throwing his life away in different ways uh, and they're sort of dealing with their parents getting older with their relationship to each other and with like the 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 personal financial collapse that they're both kind of going with in the middle of their life it's it's a lovely there's queerness in it it, it, it is sort of destabilizing and good and all of his books afterwards pale in comparison. Well, I am swiping left specifically because (laughs) specifically because I was at sitting at my pool the other day, you know, just minding my own business in 95 degree weather, trying to read a book as I do. And some other guy walked up to me and he goes, Oh, what you reading? Which is like the most annoying thing for any person to do. If I'm reading, Don't ask me what I'm reading because I'm busy reading. And then this man proceeded to recommend to me 
Jonathan Franzen. And he said, <laughs> and he was like, and I'm, I'm like, girl, I'm reading a book about like, you know, like, like, I, like gender theory, like fuck off. Like, I don't want this. I will also swipe right on the corrections. Yeah. Wait, you're swiping Sorry. right? I know. Actually, Joe actually recommended the book to me. No. <laughs> on brand. Spreading that heterosexual nonsense. Um, <laughs> yo, but I mean, because I'm like working on a pilot about medication and uh, it was actually quite informative. <laughs> Ooh, you should. I... Oh, oh no, go. I was just gonna say you should wa- you should watch Severance on Apple TV. Have you have you watched? I have not. It's um it's it the the premise that Joe described actually reminded me of it. I just finished it last night. It's a show on Apple TV about um basically a surgical procedure where you can separate your work life from your personal life. Oh it's my like, god! It's basically kind of a, lo- a lobotomy that bifurcates your personality. Um and it's phenomenal. You should watch. Didn't mean to drop. Okay. Sorry. Um, I was just going to say that I actually have been debating. I was like really excited to watch that show until I realized that it's not inspired by Ling Ma's novel Severance. And now I'm not interested. Yes, it's completely Um, different. It's completely different. But I will also be, and Joe, I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm going to be delivering the definitive swipe left that Oprah should have delivered on this book in the first place and didn't. So we are swiping left on the corrections. Mm -hmm. We Um, have no time for Jonathan Franzen, who who cannot imagine... I'll swipe right on on Severance by Ling Ma, but like that was a hell of a book to read at the beginning of the pandemic. Listen, that timing, (laughs) that timing. It doesn't count. It's not from the early aughts. Anyways, swipe right, swipe left. Britney Spears' Blackout album. Oh, swipe right so hard. Ahead of its time. Actually completely genius and totally ahead of Mm -hmm. its time. Truly, truly. Just a a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant album. Um, yeah. I, I, I would I would swipe right, but I would swipe righter on The Emancipation of Mimi by oh. Mariah Carey, because that was a comeback for the early aughts ages. Mm. Babe, yes. that is such a good reference point. That's such, um, a good, are, that's are, such an important Are we swiping right, swiping left on Britney Spears being pregnant right now? <laughs> not, not the crickets. Not, wow. not the zo- awkward Zoom crickets. I wow. know. Are we, are we happy wow. that Britney has a baby one more time? Oh, God. <laughs> wow. I'm happy about that pun you just made. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I just, I'm, I think we all collectively have swiped right on her thick ass boyfriend. Her, yes. her giant oh, yeah. meatball ass, mm. like, Greek statue of a boyfriend mm-hmm. and baby daddy, I guess. Absolutely. Have I not seen this person? What? Just... No, Teebs, we've definitely talked in the chat about him. He is the most massive human being I've looked at in quite some time. We all swipe right on the process of what it took. Yeah. To get her pregnant. Yeah. Like, we all swipe right on that. Yes. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, wait. Speaking of which, swipe right, swipe left, J-Lo and Ben Affleck being engaged again. The early I odds are absolutely bad. Swipe baby. right. It is a wild time. It is like, it is like, it's so weird to have this nostalgia for this time when we were just a little bit younger and a little bit more innocent. But I don't really mm-hmm. need J-Lo and, and Ben Affleck 
JLAC, Ben Lowe. <laughs> JLAC. Uh, I don't really need them in my life. I really, it's not, it's not, it's not sparking joy for me right now. It can I, go out with is, the trash. I it, unfortunately, it is I unfortunately am a full proponent of texting your ex back. Like just of 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 reaching back out to the ex in a way that is toxic and you know is bad for you. Like I will say, do it every single time. And if J Lo is if J Lo's feeling vulnerable, if she is looking for some self worth or if she's looking for something with like you know her ex lover that she fell out of touch with, like you know this makes you happy. Like go ahead and do it, baby. I think uh, yeah. that's horrible advice. But if I if if I must, if I must, I will text my ex after this record for the first time in four and a half years. Do I will it. do it. I will do I, it, Fran, for I, you. That's, that's one sliding back towards archival dick that I do not recommend. But you know, this man, Ben Affleck, he has gone to a lot of therapy the last few years. Mm. And I love a redemption narrative. He's had a lot of career related turmoil as well. Yeah, he has. Like, he's a different and a better Ben, I like to think, now than he was then when he made that awful movie with Sandra Bullock, I think. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I'm i I'm here for it. If she's happy, you know what, J-Lo? Get, get your dick. Be happy. Yeah. And also, like, if you've seen the, um, the gif from Gone Girl where he gets into the shower... He seems to be packing. Mm-hmm. He has a big old dong. He's... And I was like, okay. Okay, okay Ben. Okay, Big okay, Ben. Okay. Ben. Not Big, big ben. ben. Not Big Ben. <laughs> we, have big Jay, ben. we have Jay Lack and Big Ben. I'm canceling us. No, this uh, is horrible. Swipe right, swipe left. The devil wears Prada. Oh, I love it. Oh. I thought swipes. you were going to hate it, Joe. <laughs> no, I love it. And and but we do disagree. We've talked about this, I believe, on the show before. I do disagree that her boyfriend was not the annoying one. She was the annoying one. Oh my You're God. a boyfriend is, apologist. Oh, this is That's because you resent so you hate women. Success. I do resent people's success. That's correct. And so I don't, it makes complete sense that you and, have and that I, take. And I don't think you should break up with your adorable grilled cheese making boyfriend because out of some like notion that you're trying to get ahead in a career you didn't even want. He basically broke up with her. He gave up on her. So, okay. I mean, yeah. No, he was they're trash. Both annoying. Except for that grilled cheese he made. That oh, looked delicious. Wait, that is the take. They are both annoying. Both they are both annoying. Are they actually, are both annoying. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I mean, that. they're both annoying, but <laughs> he's he's just, no. He's I, I have never been able to like Adrian Grenier because of that role. Like, ever. Have you seen his dick pics? No. Are, are they out there? It's not very mighty. Oh, well. <laughs> I think we just need a segment on the show called Teebs Reviews Celebrity Dick Picks. Oh, no. <laughs> that would be problematic. Teebs, Teebs, what about Kanye's? What about canceled. Kanye's dick pic? No. I don't believe Wait, I've that, seen Kanye's. Oh, Does that exist? He's got an ugly a, dick. Oh I think he's God. like a Ken doll. <laughs> some dicks are pretty and some dicks are ugly, and his, uh, his is ugly. Is his the Jay-Z of dicks? Um, swipe right, swipe left. Can we swipe right, swipe left on blackberries? Oh my god! I never had oh, one. I never, never had, had one. one. Never had swipe one. Left. I loved my blackberry. Did y'all have like a razor or like a a, a sidekick? I had I had a Nokia no. that had the that had what that green screen and you could play nibbles on the Nokia. And oh I, my god! Girl, and I had that until twenty. I had phones like that until like twenty twelve. I loved my Nokia all throughout high school, and then I got a BlackBerry in college and used that all through college. Um, I didn't. I, I did not get an iPhone until it was like, you know, 
it had already been accepted to the culture. I, I did, was still on my BlackBerry shit. Did the BlackBerry have it, the internet on it? Yes, it did, but mostly emails. It did. Right, right, right. Yeah, like well, I it was, never I, had that, or I went straight from a flip phone to an iPhone. So, um, like, I had a flip phone in 2012, y'all. Yeah, same, course, did. same. I, I just listened to um, uh, uh, what was it called? You're wrong about their latest episode is all about emails Ooh. and like the proliferation of emails and how they became the scourge of our lives. And the BlackBerry was a, a defining moment in the history of emails because. Prior to that, you had to be at your computer mm-hmm. in order to check your stuff. You couldn't mm-hmm. take your emails with you. Mm-hmm. And that was like the the watershed moment in the history of wow. why emails are so annoying now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I can't wait to listen to that episode, Teebs. Our favorite show. Our, 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 our favorite <laughs> moving pictures. You're wrong about. Um, even though it's not moving pictures. Um, swipe right, swipe left. Being 20. Left, left, left. left. Mm. Oh, it's horrible. My twenties. I peaked in my. I peaked in my twenties. Um, this is the, the greatest years of my life. Wait, I'll you're not still in your twenties, Fran? Uh, no, I'm. I'm. Well, I, I actually will not jo- disclose Baby, that. that was a joke. That was. A, that just, was entirely. <laughs> <laughs> that was entirely a joke. I mean, it's just that you act Come like on, it. You know what I mean? You just act compliment. like it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I literally. I was with someone recently who was just like, "How old are you? Like twenty six? And I was like. You can stay with me. Like, you can stay here. Yeah. Like, you can follow me around, actually. I got carded, and I was like, God bless you. Yes. God, yes. God bless, bless you. you. Mm. <laughs> I loved being 20. I was so cute and innocent. Uh, I hated it, but I did look amazing. Swipe. Yeah. <laughs> I hated I it and skinny. looked terrible. I looked so terrible. <laughs> I couldn't I afford also, haircuts. I also looked terrible. I, that's Ugh. one thing that I like about getting older is I am getting hotter. Um, and I, 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 I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, swipe right, swipe left, um, economic collapse. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Which, you know, was then in the early 2000s. Right. She's back, baby. She's back. She's back. Economic collapse. She's back. I mean, I remember the, I remember the dot-com bubble 2001. It was actually pre 9-11, 2000, 2001 was the dot-com bubble. We lived through so many, uh, you know, then the 2008 uh, uh, housing, subprime housing financial collapse. Mm. It's just uh, capitalism is a a hell of a thing with these manufactured crises uh, that then uh, only serve to take more money from the government through the recovery. It's it's a, it's a, it's a swipe left for me. It's a swipe left yeah. on economic collapse. Wait, actually, I'm thinking about early aughts culture and I have to ask swipe right, swipe left. Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, how do y'all remember you? that? I do. I, I do. Do you I remember do. the impermeable, like, gorilla grip that this had yes. on the culture oh, at yes. large? Mm-hmm. Yes. It was, but it was, it was so, I mean, I remember watching it and being like, heterosexuals, man. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. really, they really are out here telling on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, Rose and I talked about this on the pod, but Napoleon Dynamite is very famously that was the death of Hot Topic and its relationship to like counterculture because mm. it used to be like a true counterculture, like gay goth store. And then with the influx, this is kind of like the Blackberry thing, like with the influx of demand for Napoleon Dynamite merch, they pivoted their strategy entirely to just like doing um, licensed content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, anyways, thank you. That concludes our delicious little game. Yum, 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 yum. 
Mm, it's time we get to the meat of our discussion, the thought process, the T H O T. T H O T. And this week, I believe Joe's got our patty cakes. I have the meat. We are talking about the aughts. Decades, like generations, usually only become clear way after. It just takes time to make sense of the living and to look back at the art, the culture, the writing, and what they all say and who we were then. It's hard enough for me to think about the 90s like this. I mean, I remember the entire decade. I remember it it turning 1990. And it's like, that to me already feels like, like it's not that long ago. So the aughts just blows my mind how is this a thing that was like 20 years ago that we can look back on and think about as a decade in that decade i went from being a high school junior to nearly finishing grad school i lived in washington and minnesota and madagascar and france and i moved to new york it was a decade where i became myself it's so fundamental to who i am that it's hard to even talk about as separate from me becoming an adult human person but we will try I have some questions here, but I want to start with a messy one. Thotties, to begin, what is one mistake you made in the aughts that you would love to undo? Ooh. A very like a, aughts a per, mistake. A personal mistake or a, 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 a community-wide cultural mistake? You can interpret that however <laughs> your little faggoty brain wants to, baby. <sighs> I have a great one. Yes, tease. And this was the <laughs> dude that I let fuck me in freshman year um, of college. And it was a definite mistake, but he bought me a 40, so I felt like I had to give him something. <laughs> Those you were the bargaining the, chips we yes. had. It's, it's, yeah. Trading a, a 40 for the fart pocket it just is like a perfect little trade. <laughs> Not the fart I, pocket. <laughs> I was on the edge of 17, okay? I couldn't, uh, and I, I was too nervous to get a fake ID. Look, so I so I had to, like, I was like, okay, this, and he was, like, a senior, and teams, I was like. Teebs, <laughs> a, a collective exchanging goods and services, that's socialism, baby. That is <laughs> so progressive. Come on. Give yourself some credit. So you would you would take the butt stuff back, but keep the 40. I would actually, I would, I would, I would let him take the forty too because it's. Like, I would wish I had, I wish I had not had that man's DNA on my body. Oh. <laughs> did you, did you in college ever hear of or play the game Edward Forty Hands? Is that where oh. you would you would tape forties yes. to your you hands? Yes. Two forties, one to each hand, and you have to drink them before you can take them off. And the trick is to not get too drunk, but also not have to pee because it's a lot of liquid. But it's also very homoerotic because if you do have to pee, someone who's not playing or who has finished has to like unzip your pants and take out your dick and help you be able to pee. That's hot. Oh my god, that's <laughs> so hot. Oh no, I'm like. <laughs> Uh, my my isolation ha- has made me ridiculously horny. So um, I, I mean, hate also that. like there's like a man incapacitated. Like that's <laughs> that's a, that's just good for culture. Yeah, no. yeah. Sure. I would love to do an updated version of of Edward Forty Hands, where it's like Edward. Prosecco? Edward Mo- Moe Shannon hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Edward, Ed, Edward Prosecco hands. I will yeah, play. Yeah. I will yeah. absolutely play. Yeah, Edward Edward Vuv hands. Yeah, Vuv. <laughs> yeah. Get some Vuv, Vuv. baby. Vuv. Yes, yes. I do think that the the aughts were forties, and my twenty twenties are Vuv. That's like a metaphor, I think, for what I'm trying to make this decade be. <laughs> mm. Mm. The other great regret that I have about that decade is drinking liquor from plastic bottles. Mm. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
What about you, Z? Um. Okay, I'm so going I, to posit that D doesn't have one. D has never brand. once made a mistake. Yeah. D has I'm, no I'm regrets. Flawless. I am perfection. No, I have, I mean, I kind of have two. Um, the, I think the biggest sort of, like, like I, they're framed under the idea that, like, there are things that I wanted to do that I chose not to do because I was too scared to do them. And mm. I wish I had done them. And so one of them is, like, in high school, there were so many boys who, like, wanted to hook up with me and make out with me or do even more with me. And I was too scared to, like, do anything with them mm-hmm. even oh after I came out. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was so scared. I was just convinced that, like, I would suck their dick and then they would, like, beat me. And and I just was like, and the... Valid fear! Yeah. Look, valid, fair. valid fear. <laughs> valid fear. And then I was like, how will I explain this to my parents? I, so there was that. Um, and then, you know, by the time I got to college, I knew I was trans. And I didn't say anything to anyone. I came very close to it at one point, but I didn't. Mm. And I just wish I had started that that part of my journey sooner, even mm-hmm. though, you know, I love where I am now and I love everything that's happening and all of that. But like when you know something that basic about yourself for so long and you spend so many years avoiding it, it's just easy to regret it's, having spent that time. It's hard to frame like past choices often as regret because they still make you who you are. And I, I mm-hmm. hope that we've all arrived at a place where we, at least in some part, like love ourselves. And, you know, for me, I've talked about it on the pod before, but I chased my, you know, boyfriend to the college of his choice. And then we immediately broke up. And then I was stuck in the middle of this like cornfield in Indiana at a school that I hated with a bunch of people that I couldn't relate to with an academic program that I wasn't really getting what I wanted out of it. And, um, yeah, I I regret that a lot, but at the same time, doing so introduced me to the Ginsey Institute and my love for studying like queer and trans people, studying gender and sex, and um, and it also like I I think that being isolated and being you know one of like twelve queers on a grinder roll in like mm-hmm. Bloomington, mm-hmm. Indiana, did create a, a sense of singularity that I think has like fostered my independence and fostered my very deep rooted sense of like, <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it, like me against the world. Mm-hmm. I think that really empowers mm-hmm. me sometimes. And I, I have my, my mistakes to thank for that. I feel like yeah. that's beautiful. I love yeah. that. One thing you said, Fran, about a grinder role, because I think it was actually in the late aughts that um, gay hookup sites went from the Adam for Adam um, the online to the phone location-based yeah. apps. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, talk yeah. about, like, such a huge, profound shift in the way we meet. Because I was meeting a lot of people on the web-based apps. Right, um, mostly for dates, for hookups. I feel like, speaking of sluttiness in the aughts and Adam for Adam, and the, my favorite thing, my friends and I in the aughts used to have this noise where it was the Adam for Adam new message noise that was like, broop. Uh, and we would be like walking around and if you saw a cute guy or a guy you thought was gay on the street, you'd go Broop, and everyone would be like, who, who is it? Who is it? I miss that. I miss that very much. Um, but I, one thing that I wish I could do, uh, that is obviously impossible because we time machines don't exist is, but I want to go back to 1999 and tell everyone in the world that prep is a thing that works and that you don't have to be deathly afraid of HIV every time you do anything because all, <laughs> all through the odds, I mean, just devastatingly, I was devastatingly afraid of physical intimacy in a way that like really Same. inhibited my like 
ability to feel pleasure and to connect with other people and to explore things other than monogamy. I feel like I was in a lot of relationships in the aughts, in part because I felt like being in a relationship was the only way I could have sex without dying of HIV. And it didn't really matter if the relationship was serving me that well or not, but, like, at least I wasn't going to get HIV and die from having sex. Um, So just, like, and PrEP undid so much of that internalized fear, shame, and stigma in in me that, like, oh, I can have sex outside of a relationship, um, not worry about the condom breaking. I can have raw sex. Raw sex is awesome. And being able to have it without the confines of, like, this heteronormative monogamous relationship. And even then, you're like, oh, maybe my partner's cheating on me. Maybe, like, they're going to bring it home anyway. It just, like, that whole decade to me is shrouded in, like, a cloud of horrific unending fear of zero mm. converting yeah I, I mean and and, and like honestly like getting pumped full of cum <laughs> is undefeated yeah yeah <laughs> undefeated pump, undefeated Unde- uh, team 75 team 75 you know, loads are you gonna do 75 about, loads teams i would love okay. to talk about fear because i do think that if you know if we think about things that define a decade, I do think that a lot of the 2000s were defined by fear. You know, mm. I think mm. when we think about 9-11, when we think about how we kind of um, we think about the culture wars, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and a very insane kind of like right wing response to like. Um, Janet Jackson's boob and like censorship so that true. like permeated a lot of of that of that decade. Um, I think that it's as a culture like that is like I think we're coming around to in the you know 2010s and now um, to like actually looking fear dead in the face and being you know completely um, completely like. I don't know, you defiant to it, you know? Mm. I think that we are a lot, as a culture, a lot more fearless, like with, you know, bimbo culture right now or the way we just kind of like uh, uh, champion being chaotic, quote unquote, being messy, you know? Mm. Like, I think we're all less afraid to be ourselves, which has created its own problem. I feel like it's it's the aughts was this incohate fear for most Americans. I mean, it was not an incohate fear for fucking Iraqis that we were killing yeah. and displacing. But for most Americans, it was like we started to wake up to climate change. You know, Al Gore's pivot to climate mm. change activism. You know, the decade starts with a stolen election. I mean, literally. That's what I mean. Literally, like the, we set up the 2000s with yep. a stolen, a stolen election, election, then 9-11, yep. then fucking Katrina, yep. then the financial mm. crisis. I mean, yep. we went through so much. Yeah. in that early part and, and those it was 2000s like, everyone was like well you're not gonna get a job you're not gonna get a job yeah i remember getting out of college yep. and they're just like well you're not gonna get a job like there's no jobs right now i feel like and an entree as an entree to trump like george w fucking bush yes. i remember going to every goddamn protest against Everyone. that man and and when he and when obama was elected it did feel like the lifting of a regime it did. and it was like but like I couldn't have. I was so naive to think that it couldn't get worse. <laughs> yeah, right. and also just Obama created another culture of fear among half this country. You know what I mean? Like yep. people, it, it, the pendulum always swings back. And it's like now we're dealing with the fruition of so many of these things that happened in the aughts. It's like now climate change isn't like an incohate fear. Uh, it's like it's like affecting us 
all the time. Like the financial destruction, the wealth increase of the um, wealthy versus the rest of us that accelerated, you know, it starts under Reagan in large part, it accelerates under Bush. And now we're like, literally no one has jobs or money. We are all fucked. No one's going to be able to retire. It's just like the, the, it has been so relentless for those of us who have been alive for this since the aughts. And it just feels like, you know, the nineties were this weird, was this weird decade where I think the nineties had a lot of hope. It had like grunge, but like Mm. there was this, there was this notion that like, even though the politics were fucked and Clinton was fucked, you know, it's like we had a budget surplus at the end of Bill Clinton, right? There was a notion that like something was functional in some way. Uh, I don't know what that was, but it was just like this feeling that we had. And then it was just the aughts were just like, fuck, man, like, fuck. And I think that like, if you think about the seventies and eighties as really defined by their many different forms of counterculture and many different forms of kind of like activism and how, and what like emerged from movements in the seventies and eighties, it feels like the nineties were kind of had the, the, the residue of that, you know, we were still holding on to the last of yeah. Grunge and the things that kind of like, you know, we wanted to be vocal about. And I think that kind of dissipated more. Well, or it's rather like the, got very clouded clouded with the emergence of the internet. Well, it's also like the grunge. The, like the grunge was such a huge musical movement in the 90s. The grunge to like boy band pipeline. Mm, um, my God. Where, you know, where it's like then the, the music of the aughts is this like, and I love it. Like I love pop, boy band, saccharin, you know, useless delicious candy nonsense um but it, it, it that whole the music of that decade is really you know defined by that type of of pop music which is a complete a complete 180 from grunge hmm. well and also like the in in the i think 90s sort of rap and hip hop was so defined by the um, the rivalry between East and West yeah, Coast yeah. that in the 2000s, we saw like the dissolution of that. Right. And then also because of Mariah Carey, the the concept of like, I mean, that still carries out today of having rap features on your pop song. Yes, mm. yes, yes, yes. And the rise also in the aughts of Southern hip hop, you know, uh, that the geography of American hip hop just shifts a little bit. That's so true. I mean, the, all of the big hits in the, I feel like all the big hits in the early aughts were were Southern hip hop. It was a like lot. Like Nelly and shit like that. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. a lot of queerness, or rather, maybe I shouldn't say queerness. I will say a lot of gayness um, was defined by pop culture in the early aughts. You know, like I think when we think of like Britney or when we think of like mm-hmm, the pop stars mm-hmm. that kind of like emerged, I feel like every single conversation revolved around ta- tabloid culture or like Tiger Beat culture. You know what I mean? And I- Well, and they, the, the, um, the the stranglehold that paparazzis had on because mm. it's such a major thing. I mean, before Instagram, like Instagram means that these celebrities get to take their own pictures themselves. So like having to like selling them is worthless. Yeah. So but but before that, you know, our only access to these people was through the medium of paparazzis, right. and they right. just kind of like went out of control. I mean, like I remember, but, but I feel implicated in that because I gladly took in these images like right, of like the, the, you know, Lindsay Lohan passed out or like, you know, Paris Hilton doing Coke or like mm-hmm. Amy Winehouse falling out of off stage or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And, but like, I think like we were all with, with this, what this time today is teaching us with, you know, the Amy documentary and with mm-hmm. like the, the Britney Spears stuff is how um, in, 
complicit we were in the downfall of these women. And how dark it was, like how dark it was for them personally, how our consumption of them was like a chokehold on them as well. Yeah, totally. And I remember too, through through the, the Janet and the nip slip, which thank you for bringing that yeah, up, friend, because I, I, it, it slipped my mind. But like the hypocrisy of having a sport where grown men are throwing themselves violently at each other mm. and con- getting concussed and killing themselves, but you can't handle the nipple. Yeah, like yeah. that whole thing about like that, that exactly. the United States is so invested in violence and so scared of sex. It's, it, it's, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is just coming to my head through the combo. but the aughts is also the decade where reality TV becomes a major component of American... <sighs> Um, entertainment, right? Because you had the real world and road rules in the nineties. Yeah. But um but it's 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 really the odds mm. where it becomes like such a huge culture. You know, um yeah, I was, it, I was, it, mu- it definitely mushroomed. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was watching the first season of Top Chef, for example, which like by the way, Padma Lashmi is not the host of the first season of Top Chef. It is this woman who is Billy Joel's wife at the time, and she is horrible and it's all the like low rise boot cut jeans and these yeah. outfits. I mean it is like You feel like, literally to watch this, I think it was 2006, the first season of Top Chef, you feel like it was a million fucking years ago. I mean, it it feels like like the 70s or something. And you're like, Mm -hmm. that's not even 20 years ago. It feels like reality TV has come so far since then. It feels completely alien. But I think what we're talking about here is this this quest to get inside of private lives. Teams, you're Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, it's sort of before social media. You're talking about the paparazzi and like the way in which we want to consume the inside lives of celebrities right before social media but like at the cusp of the internet that's that's right so 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 facebook probably was around but facebook had a very different role Mm -hmm. uh at that time um you know and then you have reality tv come around which which promises at least an inside look at the lives of people including sometimes celebrities but often not um but often the rich and wealthy that we never have access to so i think like it's a decade where we're starting to question like what what privacy is what it means to have access what it means to have wealth and then we're all like you're saying teebs we were all complicit in the consumption of that and like that stuff mushroomed for a reason because we fucking ate it up like we yeah. ate that shit up but it started off, I think, a little more. I, I I just remember anyway, like the 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 reality television boom started a little more um, aspirational in mm-hmm. the sense that I think what we first got were contests, like American Idol was two thousand and two, yeah, yep, where they yep. were like competitive reality television shows, where it was like, well, there's some merit in this because there is some skill mm-hmm. being deployed, but then you had something like. Laguna Beach and the hills, which oh. morphed into the Real Housewives, yes. you know, like that kind of stuff. Where it's just like these, like snotty rich kids. That was like, I remember thinking, like, what's the incentive to watch this? Because at least with like American Idol, you, you can sometimes yeah. hear really great singers or Top Chef people really good at their craft, or um, like what the art, all the other ones. Uh, the, at least there was some demonstrable um, pull, other than just straight up, I don't know, like idol worship. But it, but it, I think that's the thing is, I don't think I understood. I, I also similarly did not understand reality TV. I didn't, I didn't get the appeal, but I think it's because I didn't really understand idol worship. You know what I mean? I think, I think as I get, I love reality TV now. And I think that I have like a new kind of relationship to cultural objects that I quote unquote worship um, that I think is like, 
I, that I like to intellectualize or that, that like moves me to think deeper about things that probably have nothing to do with that idol or celebrity, you know? I have to say, I loved The Hills. It's like so out of character. I don't know why. That's crazy. I That's know. That's so crazy to me. I think I think I liked, first of all, there wasn't that much like it at the time. Um, they were all vapid and horrible. And I thought it was doing an interesting thing with what was real and what was not. I thought it was kind of like meta and a little like, like it was so obviously produced. Like it kind of like was very obviously scripted, um, but claimed to be reality. And isn't it the one where the last episode they like they like are on a set actually, and they like take the set apart and like walk away? Yeah, it's a very meta. How very meta? You know, I, I like I like at that time I was like this is kind of interesting. I thought it was interesting, and I liked that um, Heidi was dating that Spencer guy who has my color hair, and that his when he grew a beard out, his beard was the color of his everything. So you couldn't see it; it just made his face look fuzzy. <laughs> I just I liked I like got uh, off on it for whatever reason. Um, we, I I have a I have a question for the group. Okay, um, my friend Caleb recently tweeted something very funny. He said, "You've probably seen this; it was circulating everywhere." He said, "When gay boys turn thirteen years old, the universe assigns them one woman working in entertainment. From that point forward, their purpose on Earth becomes supporting this woman so hard that the force of their love could literally kill them." <laughs> um. I'm wondering who that person was for y'all in the early aughts. Like, who wh- who did you have? Like, what early aughts icon? And if not, like, an icon, it could be, like, a TV personality or, like, an author or something like that. Like, who were you like, I would die for them? Okay, so mine actually started in 98. Okay. But it was, like, this girl in my class who I wanted to be besties with was really into the band Hole. And mm. with Courtney Love mm. as the the front the lead singer, and that was the year that Celebrity Skin came out. So I got the album and I listened to it, and I was like, like this, like this, like this, like this. And then then that cool girl will be your friend. And she was like, my fr- she was like a right girl, you know what I mean? Like mm. she made zines, and she was just like went to punk shows, and I was like, I want her to like me so bad. So I I I listened to whole, but I but then I really liked it, and I really liked Courtney Love as like this really messy person who keeps mm. like falling off the wagon. And only has like she has like the the the, the triumph and yes. then the 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 fall always. That's like what her cultural narrative is, and it outstripped the her her talent and 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 the band and the the music, which yeah. was fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. like Sobity Skin was great, but like if you go back to live through this and Pretty on the Inside, like they're such great groundbreaking albums, and 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 she charted her own type of sound, and I was like, I will die for you (laughs) yeah she's like the definition of we're all rooting for you we are rooting Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. who is yours dan come on now (laughs) michelle kwan (laughs) mine was michelle kwan of course it was uh, like obviously that i just all i cared about was michelle kwan she was my idol and i would tell people once i came out i was like because michelle kwan's five or six years older than me i was like oh i was like oh i would go straight for michelle kwan which of course i mean Obviously, I wouldn't. I didn't say I had a crush on her. I just loved her so much that I was like, I would go straight for Michelle Kwan. Like, I just, I, I was obsessed with her. And, you know, at that time, figure skating was like a super, super, super popular sport, like overall in America, mm-hmm. like during the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she felt like this really like major icon. You would see her at things like the Teen Choice Awards and you would see her on 
the Today Show. And she just was like, you know, they joked about her on Will, Will and Grace several times. Um, she, so to me, she was this pop icon. And she's really the only one because I thought about it and I couldn't, one of the interesting, one of the ways in which I feel like I was an outlier for that time is that I just couldn't engage in the same way. Like I did like American Idol because that was so aspirational, but like, and I liked Christina Aguilera. I liked Beyonce. Um, but I wasn't so invested in anyone in that realm mm. that like, like that tweet, I was like, that almost doesn't apply to me, even though it should. And mm. then I was like, it does apply. It's just Michelle Kwan. But <sighs> I don't know. I just felt very much like, all, like it was so separate that it had nothing to do with me and my life and what I was trying to accomplish. Um, I'm a bisexual. So the tweet does not apply to me. Bisexuals get it when we're 30, and mine is Donna Haraway. Donna I would Haraway. Di- di- I would die for you, Donna Shut Haraway. Shut the fuck up, you cyborg. I <laughs> will not. I, so I, I don't know. I think mine, I feel like my love for Beyonce didn't really emerge, like, full force until the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it definitely mm-hmm. started with Destiny Fulfilled and the aughts, but, like... Um, I think it was Lindsay Lohan. I really wow. consumed everything she did. I monitored press about her. I went to every movie, listened to every song she released. Like, I think it really was Lindsay Lohan. And I, I'm not quite sure. Like, I really loved Parent Trap as a kid. And I, I think the Nancy Meyer cinematic universe is the real star of my childhood. But, mm-hmm. like, I think I didn't understand that. And, and therefore, Lilo became the chalice for all of my love. Mm, mm. Well, she did have like an incredible amount of goodwill, cultural goodwill yeah, coming did. out of Mean Girls. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cause like that was such a hit. And I remember like she, like before the fall, <laughs> you know, but she, where she was still like sort of wholesome and she lived with Raven Simone. They were roommates and they were like Disney channel, Disney channel buddies. Uh, and then you kind of saw her slowly, you know, go into the, Paris Hilton world and then and then it was just like then you would see like um like videos of her like trying on sunglasses obviously baked and coked out of her mind like and yeah. it was just like oh man we we were again we were rooting for you yeah. we were all rooting for you I, I was my, my other one my other one came out of two, two, 2002 um because that was my senior year of high school and that was the year that Kelly Clarkson won American Idol and I was yes. just like this person's voice is absolutely fantastic. Like I, it was like when you saw you saw somebody who emerged out of the tradition of, you know, the big voice like Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston, and then land on this like small girl from Texas mm-hmm. who just like absolutely destroyed every week. And I had like I had the first album, and then like then like fucking the second album came out, which was Breakaway, which had Since You've Been Gone and all that stuff. And Ugh. she was like bona fide pop star after that. And I, she had the it uh, factor. It separated it, her from any other like American really Idol did. contestant. You know, the, to me, the the only stars to emerge from that show are her and Jennifer Hudson, who didn't even win. And like it, it, yeah. it and it 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 tells you that like obviously they're unparalleled vocal talents, mm. but like. The voice will only get you so far. You have to yeah. have that star it, quality, and it, no one, no one else has it. ascended to that level. And I thought it was so interesting that Kelly Clarkson was the first, you know, won the first season of American Idol. And even then, I was like, 
I, I was like, do you think they'll ever have another winner who's as good as her? I didn't know. And for me, I thought that that meant that reality TV, by the way, I'll say would only last for like, I was like max 10 years. Like America will get bored of this. Wow. That's why I legitimately thought. I was like, by the time I finished college, America, like, like all reality TV is going to be on its way out. Obviously I was wrong, but fun, two fun facts about those things. Like my love for Beyonce goes all the way back to Bill's, Bill's, Bill's. And you know who wrote that song? Candy Burris of the Real Housewives of Atlanta actually wrote that song. Candy. Candy, who who really is like a huge purveyor of pop culture, but behind the scenes because she wrote so much. And um, my factoid about um, Kelly Clarkson is just that I sang a Kelly Clarkson song to get into my acapella group in college. Oh my God. Will Will you offer which song? Um, it was a ballad from that second album. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but... Was it Breakaway? No. Was it from the Princess Diary Not soundtrack? Breakaway. No, but that is something that I would have done. It's from the same album that had Since You've Been Gone, the second album. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll look it up. This is just bringing me back to when Den was shit-faced singing in the back of the car on a food for thought drive Period. in like a rural New Hampshire. Period. You oh know, we've God. all heard the story, Joe. It was it was it was um because of you. It was that song. Um I have an ending question and it actually brings me back to one of the things on the swipe list that we didn't have time for, which is Jose Esteban Munoz's uh Cruising Utopia, which mm. came out which no, came out kidding came out in the aughts and I feel like it was such it's such a foundational book for queer theory particularly not white queer theory that it feels like it's been around for 60 years but it hasn't it's been around for way less than 20 it came out in like 2009 I think um but he in that book talks a lot about straight time and how queers resist straight time and like straight time is sort of like you're born you have first communion you go to college you get married you have kids you retire out of sight and die blah 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 uh and so just thinking about the ways in which like time is such a dumb construct what is the meaning of a decade like it's such an arbitrary stupid it's like oh every 10 years we're gonna call this a cultural artifact and it has like brackets and you know it's like 2000 to 2010 is a thing like is is it a thing is a decade a thing i mean we could have a whole other episode on existentiality because you know why do Mm -hmm. humans make meaning out of literally anything you know like why do we have generations why do we have names you know what i mean like it's it it, there's so much that we could dissect i feel like to me when we try to make meaning out of the world particularly like when we say oh this ends and starts the decade i think we're just trying to like not go insane (laughs) (laughs) you know i agree yeah 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 yeah, the void is a cold place i don't want to look in there all the time but you know it just i just from being like a a base 10 numerical system like that's 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 the that's where the meeting starts and stops yeah yeah so it's math what you're saying is it's math and math is notoriously homophobic so what you're saying is decades are homophobic that's exactly what I'm saying. Except for Janet Jackson's album, Designer of a Decade. Mm. Period. Mm. Mm. I'm full, but I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dead knows how I feel. Mm. A fist. <laughs> no, not friend, that. Not that. Friend, why don't you why don't you pop the cherry on this top? Listen, we have to talk about it because everyone's talking about it and everyone's talking about it for a reason. The movie Everything Everywhere All at Once starring Michelle Yao is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. It is absolutely worth the hype. It exceeded my 
already impossibly high expectations based on like social sentiment and like reviews that had been out. Like, this is a once in a generation, not a once in a generation movie. A once this in is a like decade, a once in a decade movie. Even <laughs> I, I could say that. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I've seen a movie like this in the decade, in, in within a decade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One that's so incredibly um, sets up. It's Michelle Yeoh, the actress, for success. I mean, especially, like, for an an older woman in general, but especially for an older woman to get to to do all of the things that she does in this movie. I mean, she's talked about it and cried about it, which made me cry about it, which is that, like, the script was unlike anything she'd ever read before and and allowed her to be, like, all versions of herself. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's such an actor's dream project, too. Um, but, like, you know, for, for the people out there that haven't heard about it yet, the, the logline is, like, that Michelle Yao is a woman who owns a coin laundromat with her family. She has, like, a pretty, you know, um, a pretty tedious and, like, even, like, boring, mediocre life. And while she's getting audited, she discovers that she is a part of a multiverse of which she is, like, the sole savior. Um, Mm. And she's, like, the only one that can basically, like, rescue the universe from this impending doom. Rescue the multiverse, rather, from this impending doom. And, uh, you know, no spoilers, but the film, like, does allow Michelle Yao to inhabit many, many, many different selves. And I think that when it comes to actors of color, when it comes to like women, when it comes to a woman like Michelle Yao, we really don't give them roles that have any meat at all. And Michelle Yao, despite that, at least in American cinema, has proven herself despite getting somewhat shallow roles. Like she's always like going to be this kind of fierce woman, maybe with a sword, maybe like she's like a cold mom. Um, And those roles have proven how talented she is, but they haven't shown the full roundedness of her. And the interesting thing about everything everywhere all at once is that the main character is thousands and thousands of women in this country. It is like one of the most common stories when it comes to immigrants and how they make a living here and the kind of um, the the uh, the forever sadness that you have about whether or not you made the right choice to come to America. Mm, mm. Um, that that what they what they take is an extremely average story and they explode it and and make the most interesting like thoughtful, vivid multi- multiplicity of perspective kind of story you've mm-hmm. ever seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so it- good. It's so good. I mean, it's um, emotional and absurd. It's Very absurd. funny and it's and it's dramatic. Like it has all quadrants of the multiverse in it, mm-hmm. and you know, ultimately, it's a, about a, at the heart of it a relationship. And and you know, you just kind of watch this person's esteem for themselves and for their family grow, and you know what their bottom line ends up being. And it's just a wonderful, like, it's like 
it it's it's almost like it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's also deadly serious. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And um, the shows, ca- the the movies cameos also. I mean, all of the performances of the family are incredible, and also the cameos from Jamie Lee Curtis and Jenny Slate are. Like there's nothing I don't want to spoil. It's just like they're unreal. You would you would never in a million years. Basically, when you watch the film within the first ten to fifteen minutes, you're like, you're like, oh, I think I know what kind of movie this is. And then the movie just absolutely nothing after that. Those first ten to fifteen minutes can be predicted. Nothing, not one single thing. I was delighted. And I'm not going to spoil it because this isn't going to mean anything. But Jenny and that dog. Jenny and that dog. Teams, you want to spoil it so bad. <laughs> you want to spoil it or so actually, bad. No, no spoilers, but Jamie Lee Curtis and those hot dogs. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm talking oh about. Oh, God. Oh, God. Also, when she, like, she's like, did you staple something to my forehead? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Y'all have to see it immediately. And everyone listening to this podcast, go see it in theaters you need to see it in theaters it is it is un, very unfortunate that a movie like this took years and years and years to make because hollywood doesn't fundamentally doesn't believe in movies like this and a lot of that is a consequence of films led by people of color that flop in the theaters and then they say, they say oh well no more movies for people of color like we're not going to do that again like i just rewatched the wiz and like you know, that was like kind of that story of like marketing the end of like black exploitation films of that era. And I just we have to support this movie. And I'm not one of those girls that is always just like, we need to support movies. Let's go to the you know what I mean? Like, but you have to buy a ticket. It was excellent. Oh, mm-hmm. let us know what you think. Thoughts. Spicy. And there's queer stuff. Oh, yeah. A lot there of is. queer stuff. There's a lot of hot dogs. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at Stitcher. Our producer is the pasta to our fagioli, <laughs> Alexandra DePalma. I hate you. Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes, or we make Joe fart into a jar, and then we mail it to you. My name is Tommy... <laughs> fart pocket. My name is, my name is Tommy Teeves. Pico. You can find me at Hey Teeves. H E Y T E V S on Instagram. And also, LA come out this weekend for the uh, LA Times Book Fest, which mm. I will be featuring at. That's mm. amazing, Teeves. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com where you can find a link to pre order my book. There's all sorts of exciting news happening with it that I can't share, but it's really exciting and I would so appreciate your support. I'm Fran. Uh, you can find me at Fran Squishco, and I also have something to promote for the Los Angeles Thoughts. I'm hosting a party called Gorgeous Gorgeous for a lot of queer and trans NBs here in LA, and you can find info for that on my Instagram bio if you want. I'd love to see you there. Let's come out and say hi. Ooh, and I'm Den Michelle Norris, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Den Michelle. Oh, you can find us at Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dicks to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled how? T-H-O-T-T. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.